Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. Look at this for a lineup. We're all here. Ali Moreno, hey. Craig Burley, Shaka Hislop as well as we kick things off in Italy. What a performance from Milan as they beat PSG comfortably in the end by two goals to one. Raphael was fantastic. He would get the equaliser after Skriniar opened the scoring for PSG. And if you Olivier Giroud, what a goal it was to get the winner uh, that would see Milan take all three points from this tie. Now, what that means, well, it's still very much all to play for. We'll talk about Borussia Dortmund's victory over Newcastle a little later on. But first, let's focus on what happened at the San Siro. Let's welcome in Shelley Frank LeBeuf. I almost forgot Frank. Uh, Frank is here as well. Uh, but Craig, overall, Milan deserved it. Those stats are a little bit misleading, the possession stats, because PSG didn't do enough with the ball. And this was a completely different Milan side, and, and you were saying, Shaq, in the, the, during the, those highlights about Rafael Loal and the criticism, and maybe he didn't understand. I, I think it's the fact that he does turn it on, but not enough, and there's a, there's a laziness about his play sometimes, almost switches off, particularly defensively. Now, when he's got the, the game head on, he's so big, powerful, quick and talented that, that he's hard to play against, but guess what? There's two sides to the game, and they did that a lot better tonight. I thought Loftus-Cheek, Arguably had his best game for Milan, and I cannot believe we're still seeing the type of goals we were seeing at this level from Olivier Giroud. Yeah. You would have thought, having achieved what this guy has achieved in the game for, for club and country, at his age, you're like, do you know what? But he still has the guts, the bravery, the desire to attack these balls. The way he attacked Skriniar was incredible. Yes, they switched off. Yeah, it was a great ball in from Hernandez, a terrific ball in. But, but yeah, from back to front to middle, Milan were a completely different side to the, the side that were in Paris. And I thought thoroughly deserved uh, to take all three points. It's funny old game, because like, they were rubbish at the weekend as well, Milan. People started questioning the future of the coach, and yet they go in and they put in this sort of performance. And, and that's what's frustrating about Milan, about Rafael Leao, that you see that there is indeed the potential for this team to be this version, to be a team that is going to fight, that is going to show endeavor, that is going to show work rate. In the case of Rafael Leao, as, as impressive as his goal might have been, what I really like from him today is that there was work to be done defensively, and he was covering the ground defensively to the point to where he won possession back, and now he's bringing the ball up with that long stride that he has. You see all the talent in full display from him, and you see it from Milan in fighting for every challenge, in fighting for every ball, defending. The way that they control killing Mbappe down that right-hand side or the left-hand side with Calabria and Reinders just coming over in a 2v1 situation, how they're working side to side, how they're working together in tight spaces. It was an impressive performance defensively for Milan, but I think most impressive of all is the fight that the team showed that they don't always show, but they showed it today and it was good enough to win the game against PSG. And they kept PSG so quiet, Jay. They did. I listen, I, I thought this, I, I, this was an amazingly open game, given that we're talking about the fourth game of, of a group stage. Um, it, it seemed like both these teams just left it all out on, on, on the line and, and were willing to take chances. I thought both goalkeepers played particularly well, um, both, both teams. The game really was end to end, and maybe that fed into to some of AC Milan's strengths and, and, and some of PSG's weaknesses. In that, I, I thought at times they, they found themselves very exposed. Um, so, so that being said, listen, I, I thought it made for a very entertaining game of football. And, and I, I'm in agreement with the boys here. I, I won that, that AC Milan fully deserved deserve to win. Frank, how disappointed were you with PSG overall today? Oh, big time. Big time because I, well, at the beginning that was quite encouraging what I saw, the commitment that the player were in. But after he, he, he vanished, and completely vanished, and I barely saw the three at front. Uh, Mbappé was, I would say, mostly inexistent the whole game with Colomani. And Dembélé is crazy, I want to call him, I, I've nicknamed him almost. It's almost that you uh, shoot, almost that you score, almost that you take on. There is something always missing with Dembélé, that's crazy. But overall, I would say, and Ali mentioned that, the non-fighting spirit, the non-grinta that you need at that level to, to win the fourth game, which is the important game of uh, the group stage, they weren't there at all. The second goal that you see, yes, the cross is perfect from Theo Hernandez. Yes, the header is fantastic from Giroud. But the team, Paris Saint-Germain team, stopped playing because they thought of, uh, or they wanted to believe that the ref going to give something. 
And you can check on the Newcastle Paris Saint-Germain uh, Burns goal that they do the same. They stop playing at that level. They believe that stopping playing will uh, push the ref to give a free kick. Unbelievable. I saw that and they showed on French TV this, the goal they considered at Newcastle, exactly the same action, and, uh, and they considered the goal by, uh, by Burn. Um, that's in, uh, unacceptable. That, was, that wasn't enough. And for sure, if they want to go through, they will have to find that fighting spirit because otherwise they're going to win maybe against Newcastle, maybe. But depending on the on the on the on the the result of um, of Milan and Dortmund, they will have to go to Dortmund, and that will be another story. When you're at home and the crowd are with you and you're controlling a game, and there isn't this expectation and pressure, I think it's a lot to ask of this midfield. The oldest is Vitinho at 23. Agatti, the Uruguayan, is 22. Zaire Emery is 17. Mm. All very talented. But that's a lot to ask. You look at all the other teams in Europe, they've all got at least one or two really experienced players in there, whether it be Man City, whether it be Real Madrid, whether it be Barca, who've got a lot of kids, but they've got Gundogan at the moment because Frankie de Jong's out. Uh, all these teams have at least a bit of experience in there and now to go, right, you know, this is what we do in these scenarios. And I think that's going to be a big ask for them. I, I think it'll be enough to get them through but I think tonight we saw a talented midfield, but one that is going to get left sort of on its own by some of this front three. And when you're at a place like the San Siro, where it was jumping tonight, and they did want to fight, I think that's a difficult ask when your oldest player in there is 23 years old. But it's no surprise, is it, that Dembele, Muani and Mbappe aren't helping out this midfield. So Luis Enrique surely has to preempt that. <laughs> the frustrating part, and Frank mentioned it, with a guy like uh, Dembele is that this is not new. See, I could have told you this a couple of years ago. He was doing this with Barcelona, the, the one in which he gets a crowd off their seat, but then they have to sit back down because they're not going to celebrate because the final product wasn't there. And you're seeing that from him as, as part of a characteristic of his game. It's who he is. Colomuani is still trying to figure out what his role is in this team. And killing Mbappe, I think... Today, he was all too happy to be quiet. He did have a clear opportunity in the first half where he gets in behind a ball played in by Kodomoani and he gets it all wrong. It could have been the, perhaps a chance that puts PSG up to one. Maybe that changes the nature of this game. In terms of what you do with these guys, you're willing to accept that they're not going to give you all the work that you need defensively if indeed there is productivity in what they do in the final third. But if they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing or what you expect them to be doing in terms of that productivity, then yes, it does put a lot of pressure on this midfield and it does put a lot of pressure on the structure of the team. And this is what I'll say about PSG. There is very little structure to this team. This is not a team. This is essentially what we saw last year with Mbappe, Neymar, and Messi, with lesser players. Dembele, lesser player. Colomani, lesser player than both Messi and Neymar. And what's behind, while, while there is youth and there is a lack of experience, there's still not enough structure to this group in order to withstand these three guys working by themselves here, not helping back, and therefore having Ugarte running around all over the field, or Zaire Emery running all over the field, or whoever it may be. Whoever is in those positions are going to be under pressure. Whether it's youth or experience, they're going to have to cover a lot of ground because these guys are not covering the ground for them. Why was Mbappe so quiet today, Frank? That's a real question. That's a good question. You know, I, I, I thought with Calabria and the way that Calabria behaves defensively, I would have thought that he would try to take him on all the time because he's faster, he's, uh, he's more powerful than him. Calabria would track his tricks as a real Italian, uh, but it won't work because he will make so many fouls. But he didn't try anything. Yes, of course, Tomori was helping Calabria out uh, uh, and covered him. But it wasn't enough. He was, coming, he was getting the ball, doing like two tricks in front of Calabria, then going, uh, giving the ball back. It was like he didn't want to play that game. Yeah, the, the, the pitch wasn't good. Uh, the, 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 the grass wasn't perfect. It wasn't English, I would say. But uh, he didn't try. He didn't like, I think he didn't like the atmosphere. didn't like the game. And he gave up. 
And that's not uh, fair to his teammates, that's not fair to the viewers as well, and to his football. That's, uh, I was very disappointed. I said, at least you have to try a little bit. Depends what second, eh? Yeah, but, it is, but, he, but he is pretty pathetic a lot of the times in his attitude. Uh, depends what Kylian Mbappe fancies. He's, he's created this monster that people have allowed. And, and because he's so talented, he's, he's gonna, he knows he can get away with it. And he knows he'll get this big move. Let me tell you something. He's only, he, he'll put it in when he fancies it. I tell you why. He knows the, the, they might win the league on this year, probably will. It's not going swimmingly at the moment. But I tell you what he does know, that they won't win the Champions League. He knows they're not going to win it. And so he'll but just. What sort of professional attitude is well, that? I'm, Surely I, it's I, like, I, I'm the listen. best player in the world. I can help this team win the uh, Champions League. I, 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 he I, knows they're not going to win this. No chance, right? So he's, he, he's up and down like a yo yo, trust me. I, I think a lot of PSG struggles in, in the attacking theory leans into what Ali was talking about. I, I think the, the, the front three rely on their pace. And. Once that ball in behind wasn't on, once AC Milan figured out that all, all PSG's creativity is about finding that space in behind to, to, to pick out Mbappe, and once you cut that off, that there's nothing is going to happen. There's not a lot else is, is, is going to occur. And, and to Ali's point, when you had Neymar and had Messi and while, yes, we criticised them and, and rightly so, they individually could make things happen. Now, again, be, be, between, between Kolomoani and Dembele, they aren't that type of player. They are relying on room in behind. They are relying on their speed yet again. So once AC Milan figure that out, then all of a sudden there's not a whole lot else happening and the game just kind of fizzled. Uh, what's inexcusable, though, going back to Mbappe for a second, is that we saw this sort of attitude against Newcastle at Newcastle. It, it, yeah. it was this, once it got tough... Once the other team grew in confidence, once it felt like the game was getting out of control, and this is a moment in which you need your superstar to say, hold on a second, give me the ball, I'll figure it out. Nah, all too comfortable. I'll just be over here, guys. If you need me, just give me the ball, and I'll settle for pass back and not taking players on, not really participating in the play. So you're seeing it that is a pattern, that is a trend. When it gets difficult for his team or for him individually, his reaction is to say, nah. Not today, guys. That is concerning. If he can do that for France in World Cups, and I know he's won the World Cup, but they got to the final almost despite him last time out. Because in that game against England, he didn't track back at all. Right. Luckily for him, Harry Kane missed a penalty. Other things unfolded. But if he... And, and Julian Laurence has touched on this. Didier Deschamps knows mm. and is prepared to accept his lack of... Uh, desire to chase back and that, that really put them in that was really part of the, the problem that put them in the predicament in the final against Argentina and it's why Olivier Giroud a Trojan of a guy who hasn't got an ounce of Mbappe's talent but is just out there grinding it which is why he had to be dragged off and why they had to change the shape of the side so listen if he can, if he can do it in his national team when he doesn't fancy it he's certainly going to do it in this club side Last word to you Frank Yeah the thing is I, I well, I would, I would like to say that I understand the coaches who decide that, oh, Mbappé is like that, so I know Deschamps, uh, Luis Enrique, I cannot, I cannot do anything about that. But his teammates, I would have been Skriniar, I would have been the captain, Marquinhos. I, I, I think I can go for a fight in the dressing room with him. I say, you don't respect me, so why do you want me to respect you? The three at front, when you lose the ball, you come back. There is an action, second half, where Mbappé loses the ball, and he realized, like, five seconds after, we can see his face in the, in the, on TV, where he turns, and there is already a counter-attack. Counter he doesn't care. I would have been that. I would have seen Craig Burley, or Zola, or Marcus, or Viali not doing that. I can tell you. I would have fought against Craig Burley in the dressing room for disrespecting me. That's what I don't understand from the other player. That's what I don't understand from the experienced players not saying to somebody with such a talent like Mbappe, not doing that. I play with Zinedine Zidane. I've seen Zinedine Zidane losing the ball, fighting back to get the ball back. Zinedine Zidane. I saw Zola. I saw Marcus. I saw Viali doing that. 
why those players at front who think they're better than the others and think that those the defenders have to serve them don't think that they, 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 can't, they can't run back. That's unacceptable for me. I would, I would have knocked Frank's teeth out. <laughs> and, then I, and then I could have laughed at him. <laughs> just, just to finish what Shaq said, notwithstanding all that, you've got to credit, Milan defended brilliantly. But you just yeah. expect him to do more. Right. But they did an amazing job. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What a performance from Borussia Dortmund after the disappointment of losing while well, being thrashed by Bayern at the weekend. They bounce back in some start with a comfortable 2-0 victory over Newcastle. Ali, how can Dortmund be so good in these <laughs> matches and so rubbish at the weekend against Bayern? Well, obviously Newcastle is not nearly as good as Bayern Munich. <laughs> no, but, but frankly, and, and I'm just looking at it from the perspective because I've seen Borussia Dortmund and I saw their lack of defending not only against Bayern Munich, but the weekend before against Eintracht Frankfurt. Coming into this game in two league games, Borussia Dortmund had allowed seven goals. Quick math, that's not very good. Nope. And so, defensively they have their issues in transition. And it's all, it almost felt like Newcastle had not seen the tape and hadn't seen the fact that Matt Hummels cannot run with anybody that has any sort of speed. I understand that Newcastle is going to set up defensively in a way that they're going to absorb some pressure because of their injuries and what have you. So then that opens them up for the opportunity to go on the counter. But you're one guy that somewhat matches the profile of a player like Leroy Sané was able to exploit in Bayern Munich is Miguel Almiron. And you have him on the bench. Now, I'm not comparing yeah. Almiron and Sané, but he is the profile of player that can run by a guy like Mats Hummel, that can at least give you an outlet on a counterattack opportunity in transition and can exploit some of the frailties that Dortmund has been showing throughout the course of the season. He's on the bench. You have, indeed, no option going on the counter. Nobody to really hold the ball up. Wilson is sort of running around all by himself. There was no outlet, there was no second or third pass, and therefore no opportunity for transition. That meant that Borussia Dortmund can do what they do best, and that is, you know what? We can attack. We can set our numbers forward. We can park ourselves in the attacking half. We're going to pressure the ball, win it right back, and try to create chances that way. That's why Borussia Dortmund were able to win the game as easily as they did. It's all quite straightforward, wasn't it, for Dortmund? And no stage did you really think that Newcastle were going to get back in? By far the better side, and particularly in the first half. I think in the team set up, right, and you can forget that 4-3-3 because it wasn't. I think they were way too cautious. He played two, he basically it was 4-5-1, yeah. right? Two fullbacks on the right side, Livermento and Trippier, and Joe Linton on the left, three in the middle of the part, and Callum Wilson somewhere up there, yeah. right? A country mile from anybody. So when they did win it back, their out ball was getting swallowed up by two or three players against one, and it was coming straight back. So they were, I, I thought they were way too cautious. Therefore, they were trying to keep, when they did win the ball back, they were on the edge of their own penalty area. And they're trying to play out, and Borussia Dortmund were nicking it. As Ali said, I think they missed a great opportunity here to a side who got smashed yeah. at the weekend. 
and who are slow at the back. And I think for me, Eddie Howe, looking at his selection in, in the first half, and he did change it, Anthony Gordon came on, Almiron came on and they looked a lot livelier. Looking at his selection, it said to me, we will take a point. But what he, had, what he did to me was hand the initiative yeah. straight to Borussia Dortmund and they took it. A battered and bruised Borussia Dortmund. That would be the yeah. disappointing thing if you're a Newcastle supporter watching the way you were set up for this tie. Uh, is that you go for it. You know, they're very much on the road. Uh, on the one hand, Dortmund, there had to be a response given what we saw on the weekend. You, you'd expect that. On the other, Newcastle coming off the back of a very good result themselves into the Champions League. And I've said this time and time again, Newcastle, when they play more attacking, when they play on the front foot, they are far better. When they set up to sit back and soak up pressure, they have struggled. That's when they were at their best against PSG. Yes, they lost to Dortmund at St. James's Park, but the performance was a whole lot better. So I, like everybody, was a little bit surprised with how kind of cautious Eddie Howe went and thought it was more to do with maybe injuries and, and, and how, how he just had to kind of patch the team up, seeing Joe Linton play that high up the park. I'm, I'm, that is not his best role for Newcastle United. I, and then I, I thought, with the changes, I, I thought... Can you, you point as this is the excuse? But you, you deal with this. And, and I, think, I, I think Newcastle has dealt with this fairly well. You, you know Callum Wilson isn't Alexander Isak. You know he plays on the show left centre-backs. So play to that. I, I just again felt that the setup was too defensive. And while things changed in the first uh, uh, change at half-time, and I thought Newcastle were a whole lot better, Dortmund were comfortable because now they, they have the lead. They can sit back, they can soak pressure up, and they can hit Newcastle on the counter-attack. And that was the, the bigger threat. As long as they didn't allow Newcastle back in the game, they just kind of let it fizzle out. And then, and then um, I mean, Newcastle played, played their part in, in, in the second goal that, that, that clinched it. But I, I, from a Dortmund's perspective, I thought they handled the second half really, really well. When, in my opinion, I thought Newcastle gave them that, that uh, opportunity. All those players were out. At the weekend, mm. Dan Byrne only played the half and Jacob Murphy came on for a few minutes and his shoulder went. And they managed to go toe for toe with Arsenal, who I think we'd all agree are a better yeah. side than, mm. than Dortmund, albeit Newcastle were at home. So I, I don't think injuries are, are an excuse at all. It's just how you cope with it. I, I thought the way that he set his team up and that first half just invited Dortmund all over them. The, the only excuse I can, I can offer Newcastle here is that they have really struggled with these Champions League weeks. Whether, whether it's how they, they fare after and they've got Bournemouth to come now um, or, or in the lead up to it. it it's, it's a little bit of a learning process. That being said, that is an excuse of a, somebody who supported Newcastle. I, I, the performance itself doesn't... Well, they got what they deserve. They got... They fully got what they deserve today. What were you mumbling about, Frank? No, I'm with the guys. You know, for me, it was insane and insane and quite stupid. You know, from from Hedy Howe. I mean, we all agree that he makes a, he does a good job for, with Newcastle, but that was a real crazy mistake uh, I saw today from him. He is completely responsible. No, the injuries are, are not an excuse for him. Uh, the way he set up the team was completely wrong. Except when you don't, you know who you're going to face. Dortmund, with all the dots that they had, uh, they, they've, been, they've, been, they've been completely crushed uh, last weekend. When Newcastle won, you know, go for it. Enjoy. Enjoy the Champions League. Yeah, it's a learning process for, for the team, but especially for, for Hilly Ho. And today was a lesson of not what to do. That was crazy for me to see uh, what Newcastle showed in the first half, meaning playing the complete opposite of their of the what they are capable of doing now they they been slapped in the face by the decision that ADO make made sorry uh, let's take let's, let's take a look then the what all this means let's remind you how the group stands remember there are two matches remaining uh, the next round of matches will be on November the 28th very significant day, by the way. Is that your birthday? That's my birthday. Hey. Way to celebrate <laughs> no. my birthday. As it will be, PSG against Newcastle. Milan then take on Dortmund. And then the final round of matches, uh, Newcastle, Milan, and then it's Dortmund, PSG. Whew.
That's not going to... Just saying woof. Well, oh. it's, well you it, can say woof from now to your birthday if well, you want. It's going to be... I don't care. Oh, did I mention these, these matches will be... <laughs> By the way, if you get a cake... There's going to be a lot of annoyed people. Why are you annoyed by a cake? Cake's annoying me. How, how do you predict this? Cake. What, what are you going to say? Who's, who's going to go through? In no particular order, okay. PSG and Milan. Right. Yep. Really? I'm trying to think about Newcastle have to go to Paris. Yes. I don't fancy them at all. And then they're at home against Milan. At home against Milan. Could be too late by that point. Milan have got Dortmund at home. And I don't think Milan will let Dortmund off the hook like Newcastle have. Right. Particularly at the San Siro. So, as, although Dortmund have got themselves back in the mix, you could say by going at the top, aren't they? Yeah, so yeah, they've, they've got, got seven points. Yeah, I couldn't remember the graphic. Yeah, you were, you were waffling on a bit birthdays. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and cakes. Uh, so I, I fancy Dortmund's run to come to an end, Newcastle to finish bottom, and PSG and Milan to go through. Dr. Shaka Hislop, um, mayor of Newcastle. I'm, I'm trying to make an excuse for, for Newcastle to go through here. I, I think There's not a chance they're going to go through. I, no, I, listen, I, I, I think you Just go to, you go to no. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to say that. You, no, you go. Get, you, you go to you Paris, cake. And you, you, be more, you be more attacking, as I've, as I've continued to ask for, and I think significantly, November 28th comes after the international break, so um, we see how, how Newcastle fare in terms of injuries and, and, and coming back, and, and to my point, how they, how they cope with, with the midweek and, and uh, midweek fixtures. How can they be more attacking in just, Paris? Just leave me alone. Have you seen them in, <laughs> Just you, leave me. They're going to be more attacking in Paris. <laughs> did you just see, trust right, me. You've watched them in Milan and in Dortmund. Just trust me. <laughs> they beat, just get on they were it. more attacking. Just they're they're going to they're finish they're bottom. Gonna Who's gone through? <laughs> Who's gone through? Newcastle and what? Milan. <laughs> oh, wait, what? So, I don't know how it works. I was trying to figure it out. <laughs> well, Dali, that was desperate. Uh, well, that's one way. To I, I tried to warn you. I tried to warn you. It was going to be desperate. Uh, PSG, and of course. You know. Yep. You know. Dortmund. Borussia Dortmund. Yep, yep. Ah, uh, the great bottlers, no chance. Frank. <laughs> Frank. <laughs> uh, I think PSG will win against Newcastle because they always win at home and Newcastle is, um, is uh, incapable of winning away from home. So PSG is going to qualify next round, next game. And, um, and after, if I uh, correctly remember, I think Dortmund is going to play Paris Saint-Germain the last game. And I think PSG yes. might let it go. And so I go for PSG and uh, Dortmund. Remember, it's head-to-head -head that separates the sides if they're level or on. You're the only one that made any sense here, really. <laughs> I have no idea. I can't remember what I said. Uh, that's, Nobody that's, can. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, Borussia Dortmund are in action in the Bundesliga this weekend in a game that's live on ESPN+. Plus. Um, at the same time as Bayern Munich, ah. are you doing a special show? Yes, we are. There you go. Yeah. Super. Right. Bayern Munich against Heidenheim. Stuttgart oh, then take hello. on Borussia yeah. Dortmund. Uh, all of those matches live. I quite like saying Heidenheim. All right. Uh, all those games live. <laughs> Live on ESPN Plus. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. It was a disappointing night for Barcelona. They were terrible. As they lost 1-0 to Shakhtar Donetsk, it means the Xavi side missed out on the opportunity to automatically qualify for the next round. They should be fine. Of course, they will go through in the group. However, more question marks about Barca after this performance. Ali, big deal? I think it's significant from Barcelona because if you watch the game against Real Sociedad, they should have loved that, that match as well. Real Sociedad were much better than Barcelona, significantly better than Barcelona. They were fortunate to win that one. And then I think what's more concerning about this game in particular is that Barcelona were not goal dangerous at all. At all. They may have had all the possession in the world, but it was all sideways and back. There, was, there wasn't anything really inspiring about the performance offensively. And I have to say, I don't know whether this is the injury still lingering for Robert Lewandowski. It was anonymous. But man, this guy is struggling. He's struggling to trap the ball. 
quite frankly. No movement away from the ball. There is very little, uh, I, I suppose, creativity going on around him, but he doesn't seem very interested at all in running in behind in a little diagonal movement and hold up play. There isn't anything inspiring about Barcelona in the attack, and Robert Lewandowski is in the middle of all of that. Body language wasn't great, the performance wasn't great, his ability on the ball wasn't great, but you can say that about Lewandowski, you can say that about many players in Barcelona. It was a very, very frustrating performance, an underwhelming performance when you think about this team in the attacking half. Not goal dangerous at all. He was absolutely horrible at the weekend mm. as well in San Sebastian yeah. against Real Sociedad. He got taken off along with Cancela, Cancelo and João Felix, but, but he looked, and in some sense you were going, Wow, and Xavi talked about it after the game, said, well, he's lacking match fitness, so you're going, right, he's, give him a pass. But then he got, I don't know, he got, a, he got an hour, he got some game time in the Classical when he came on. So there's a bit of sharpness, he's some more training. He got, I can't remember what it was at the weekend, an hour, 70 minutes, so there's more match sharpness. But yet again, he looks so sluggish. And yet here's a guy that was shouting from the rooftops at the start of the season about everybody else. So he's been quick to opine about his teammates and all the supply chain, and he's going to have to get his finger out. And in fact, it seems now every weekend or every game, Xavi is starting to get asked about Robert Lewandowski and his performances. And there's only going to be so long he can put that down to injury before he's got a problem. Uh, Barcelona, despite that defeat, will have the chance to qualify if they win their next game, which is on November 28th. <laughs> Arsenal there, take on Sevilla on Wednesday. Uh, this is the first time we have the opportunity to hear from Arteta after his rant of the Newcastle game. Here's what he had to say. It is my duty to stand in front of you, to stand in front of the cameras and give a very clear and honest assessment of what happens on the game. And this is what I did, reflect very openly um, how I felt that the team played. And, um, and how the game was conditioned by these results with the decisions that were made. And um, it's the duty. My duty is to be defending my players, supporting my players, supporting my club, defending my people in the best possible way. And this is what I'm going to do time after time. Did he fulfill his duty, Greg? <laughs> what else? As a manager looking after his players after a defeat because of a bad refereeing decision. I'm a bit on the fence with this one. I think he went over the top, but do we want robotic, boring managers in press conferences? So there's, there's, there's two sides to that. At the end of the day, he can gibber on all he wants. It's going to come down to results, performances, but mainly results. And that'll all shake out at the end of the year. And I've seen all this about Arsenal sending some sort of report to... Yeah, every incident that's gone against them this season they've sent to Yeah, we're going to get all the incidents that go against us. We've got the referee. And well, there's, there's 19 other teams that are in this league alone that are facing the same dilemma with these officials. And I'll hark back to this thing we seem to be going on about as well, and I certainly I do. It's not the FA's decision or the Premier League or the PGMOL or the referee's decision to sign Kai Havertz and Ben Aaron Ramsdale. And that's as big a problem to me <laughs> Mm. within performance as the referee giving something against him. And that's Mikel Ateta's decision. So once he solves that and Arsenal are a stronger team, maybe he'll find he doesn't have to rely on the referees. And that's the problem I have. Shaka, you looked at the sky. Yeah, no, um, I, I know you won't know the answer to this, but, but did they include the, in, in their report that Havertz should have been sent off or, or no? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think okay, so, that, that wasn't part no, of Arsenal's no, report? No, I don't think so, no. So, so the referees have shown no kind of leniency or understanding to, to Arsenal at all, but let's, let's just leave that, leave that alone. Listen, to, to Arteta's comment, I've had a lot to say about Arteta, both on here and, and off, in all honesty, and... Yeah, I know. In, 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 going in, on about it. Tell you what, I, I, I thought I was harping on about young boys. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, it's Shaka again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a long couple of days. It's been a long couple of days. But, but listen, he's, he's defending his players as best he can in, in the way that he sees fit. The club come and defend him. And he's, I'm, I'm fine with it. You do that. But just understand that anybody who is impartial or anybody who is not Arsenal favouring kind of aren't buying it. So you do what you do, but understand that 
um, you're not, you're not winning any fans. You're not convincing anybody of, of any such injustice. He's losing the money in the bank that he's built up from a lot of people. Now, he might say, I don't care about pundits. I don't care about newspapers, media, TV outlets. I don't care. But he will care. when If they don't turn it around and he doesn't put a run together and he's getting a shellacking from left, right and centre, then he will care about it. Because a lot of people have been happy to sit and go... Myself included. You know, he's done a pretty good... This has been a great turnaround. Last year was fantastic. Yeah. There's no shame. Get an overrun with Man City. Let's see where they go. Let's build on it, right? Now, we can agree and disagree with these decisions that he's made, with the signings and how he's lining the team up, blah, blah, blah. But I think within his comments and the continuous griping and the silly comments about 10 subs and changing goalkeepers during games and blah, 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 he's losing that will that he's built up. I think people... If Arsenal have a downturn now, there's going to be a lot more people ready to jump on Arteta's back mm. for his team selection and comments than there was six weeks ago. And that's on him. And that piles pressure on. Frankie, he says though he's doing all this to try and help the referees get better. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if he's trying, really, really trying to help the, the referees. I think it's a fair reaction, you know. I just want to remind also Shaka that Guimara should have been sent off. Uh, and I think it's a fair reaction to one game. He has the right to say what he feels, and he feels if he feels that it was an unfair result because of uh, a stupid decision from the VAR, uh, especially on that goal, he has the right to say that. When he's wrong, where he's wrong is when he said that it's always against uh, his team. That's that's not fair because that's not true. And uh, and I think uh, referees and uh, uh, and everybody um, leading the, the the game is really important. So, uh, so, um, so, so I, I don't think it's right to do that. But I think it's just a fair re reaction to say that he feels frustrated uh, because of that result and because of those decisions. Uh, obviously, what's getting a lot of headlines, Ali, as well, is the way that Postacoglu conducted himself after the game yesterday in comparison to Arteta. And he said, look, when we were growing up, basically, the referee made a decision, you accepted it, you move on. Mm. It's not an easy job. Um, yeah, and, and we were having this conversation over the weekend, and, and when it comes to Arteta, I think for me the issue is when he was asked earlier in this season about the Spurs-Liverpool uh, game, he was calmly defending the referee and saying, look, these things happen. Yeah. We just have to accept it. So it's all fine and well when it happens to somebody else, but when it happens to you, then it's no longer, we just have to accept this. Now it's uh, some sort of vendetta or agenda against us, against my team. It's a disgrace, it's embarrassment, and so on and so forth. So whatever happened to that sort of calm uh, and understanding way of saying, yeah, referees are going to make mistakes, these things happen. You can't have it both ways. You can't be on both sides of the argument. And for me, this is a very classic case of Captain Deflecto. I said it on the weekend, and I'll say it again. We are now talking about <laughs> Arteta and what he's saying about the referees and what the decisions and how they're against Arsenal and all this and all that. And we're not talking about the fact that if you have a goalkeeper who can actually come out and catch a ball or be in the position in which he can deflect the ball, now, we, this is no longer a conversation. This is no longer a discussion. We're not talking about his decisions. We're talking about refereeing decisions. This is Captain Deflector. You're, you're taking away from the questions that we should be asking and the conversations that we should be having. Instead, we're talking about Arteta and him defending his Look, players. Here's the thing, right? And I'll, I'll go back to this Arsenal report. If you are truly trying to help the referees better themselves and do a better job of refereeing games, then that report would include all the errors they've made, regardless of who's been playing. It would include all the times, but twice in the last two weeks, that Wolves have had uh, calls go, go against them, if that is really what you're doing. If this report only has Arsenal incidents, then you're being, you're being very... You're trying to, to be partisan. You want the referees to fix what they're doing with you. So it's to suggest that, well, we prepared a report, but it only has Arsenal incidents. But what we're really trying to do is help the referees be better throughout. That's just disingenuous. That's that. I, I'm not, you, I, I, to Ali's statement, you can't 
have it both ways. Managers have a duty now more than ever, whether they like it or not. Back in the day, decisions were made, right or wrong, human error, put Ogre down the pub, they'd have a pint, they'd have an argument, have a discussion about it, there'd be one press conference a week, managers would get on with it. That was a different day. There's two managers in particular are fueling the lynch mob at the moment in the Premier League more than any other. Last year it was Jurgen Klopp with both his comments and his physical altercations with officials that make those idiots on social media and some of it at the ground froth at the mouth. Mm. And you're fueling that. And now we have Mikel Arteta, and I understand frustration, but he's bounced up and down on the technical area for 18 months now. He's been one of the worst. He's been reined in at that. And now these comments that I think, whilst understandable to be frustrated, were way over the top, now supported by a club who are usually one of the classiest in English football arsenal, who are dragging themselves through the mud over this uh, because it's ridiculous, and they're doing nothing but fueling the idiotic, partisan people out there on social media and others that just now want to, I, I, I say kill, that's a strong word, who want to just do anything they can with these referees. And we saw it with Anthony Taylor and the Mourinho comments from the European game last year. We've seen what words matter to some of these fans that can't process things properly. And those two in particular, and some may disagree, some not, but I think those two, and Klopp seems to have reeled it back in for now, but those two in particular out of all the managers have fueled this element more than others. Now, you might have got away with that 15 years ago, but we don't live in that world now. We live in the world where people go home, they switch their phone on, and everybody's having a debate and an argument, and it just snowballs. And so I really think they have to be careful how they go about this. Nobody likes what's happening in English football, in particular with the referees. Nobody. But it's not going to get better by just keeping coming out and whinging and whining and moaning like you're the only club that's being and, wronged. And it's not just the fans. It's the players as well. It's your players. Your players are listening to what you're having to say. And so they go on on the field, and when a call doesn't go your way, ah, oh, it's us again. Right. This happens to us. Well, no, you're not the only one. And, and, and while I understand, and it's, I, I agree wholeheartedly, that the fans just can't quite process the information if it is presented in the way that Mikel Arteta is doing it. If I'm Mikel Arteta, I'm more concerned as to what I'm doing to my players and what sort of message am I presenting to my players and what kind of excuses am I making for my players. And in the end, they're going to lean on those excuses. When, they, when, when you need them to perform at their best, they're going to lean on excuses instead of performance. That's when you come up short. Uh, meanwhile, do you remember a club called Manchester United? What? Uh, we used to talk about them quite a bit. <laughs> they're, well, they're, they're probably got upset. We're not talking about them. <laughs> <laughs> they got, they got upset when we talk about them. It is no, a huge game for them tomorrow in Denmark, away against uh, Copenhagen. Uh, elsewhere, Bayern have the chance to qualify with their clash against against Galatasaray. Uh, more on that, of course, tomorrow. Uh, meanwhile, extra time, Frank will be back with us. Uh, you can check that out over on our YouTube channel. Meanwhile, Phil Neville is the new manager of the Portland Timbers. Here he is. He has not done well, really, in his co coaching life. Uh, this is what he had to say about, in particular, what happened in Miami. People look at the Inter Miami experience. It was it was one of the toughest, but the best experiences of my of my managerial coaching career because of the challenges that were thrown in front of me from day one, and and I didn't know that before I went into the job. But I was so positive about the job, uh, and that I knew I could be success. So. Uh, I'm now on a level playing field with, with every other coach in the MLS, and, and now's the time to judge me. Uh, they'll be discussing that on the next so edition. Forget uh, what I did against with Inter Miami inside of the message. Uh, I tell you what, he, he needs to get a cake for that. Oh, I, saw, I saw a great tweet that said basically people like to hire Phil Neville for the lift that it gives the club when he's sacked. <laughs> you said that? What on Twitter. All right. Oh, there we go. Uh, uh, is that right. it? That's that's the end of us. Are we done? Well, literally. <laughs> uh, oh, no! no. Hey. Oh, there we go. Uh, Ipswich are in action today, and they are second in the table, as we mentioned before. Uh, them and Leicester running away with things at the top. Leicester leads uh, sitting third. Uh, Southampton in fourth.
Uh, that is it. That brings yep. us to the end of today's show. But not, not enough Man United chat today. No, Manchester United chat. You know, yesterday we didn't even mention their name either. We're not even going to talk about them tomorrow if they get beat. Oh, yeah. Are you here tomorrow? I don't know. It depends if they get beat. <laughs> <laughs> Stay with us. Right. Extra time is next. Uh, welcome to us here in Extra Time. Everyone's here. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, well, well. You all right? What are you up with? What are you coming up with? What Man United fans do think that? What, that we, we don't talk about them? No, they, they, I only come in if they get beat. Okay. <laughs> Jeff, the schedule is done like uh, 10 minutes after. <laughs> That's it. Oh, full let, time. Go, let go in Denmark. Come on, Greg. Oh, I'm, I'm baking a cake for you. you know? <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, lovely. Oh, Imagine Craig in the kitchen with the apron, <laughs> wearing, wearing the flower. This one's for Dan. <laughs> Oh, a bit of arsenic in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, how are you, Frank? You all right? I'm, I'm great. I'm great. I just realized uh, that November 28th, I'm very sorry, I won't celebrate your birthday because it's my daughter's birthday and I only celebrate uh, one birthday a day. Uh, so great I'm very people sorry born that. on that day. Mm. Oh, wonderful. Well, that's it's a Wednesday. Well, my rationale was <laughs> Here thank, we go. Thanksgiving is in the last Thursday. No, Thanksgiving is not the last Thursday. Is it not? No, no. Third. Okay. It's, it's, it's third Thursday. Third Thursday. Third Thursday. Today's the seventh. You're three weeks from today. There you go. Yeah, but I thought Thanksgiving was the final Thursday. No. Well, it should be. Why? <laughs> it's the second to last Thursday. Second to last? Yeah. Oh, we got that wrong. <laughs> or the third. <laughs> or the third. <laughs> How long you been here? <laughs> Even I knew that. <laughs> so it's second to last. Yeah, <laughs> go with that. Just go with that. Trust me, Craig. Uh, Frank, you were at my house for Thanksgiving last oh, year. Oh, what a moment. What a moment that was. Yes. Yes. That was a great time. We had a very good food and everybody was nice. And we had Mr. Casey Keller coming with us. That was great, <laughs> entertaining. What'd you do, microwave it? No, Denise did a big old spread <laughs> on the microwave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that was great. No, that nice. was great. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, that's very good. You Things got, got a bit political. I moved away from the table at that stage. <laughs> you got you got a takeaway, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, which of you had Dortmund ahead in Group F on your bingo card at this point? Be honest. Did you have Dortmund top shot? Who got all rubbish? Yeah. No, but they're still going out. He's still going out. Yeah. I had PSG and Newcastle going through my Dortmund card and my bingo card. Okay. I feel you're not quite with it today. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm clinging. I'm, I'm clinging. What are, what are you clinging to, though, Shaq? What do you mean hope. today? <laughs> yes. I get to hope. That's all I got. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's all I got left. Uh, <laughs> oh. Frank, does Liao have potential to be one of the leading players in this new generation alongside Mbappe, Vinny Jr. and co? Uh, well... Is that is that Ra Rafael? Ra Rafael? Yes, yeah, yeah, that's yeah Rafael. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I mean, what he showed today to the world uh, is pure talent, pure commitment. But we all know that his own his main problem is the consistency. He's been booed like. 15 days ago by the fans, and I think when he scored, he showed them that, <laughs> that he didn't forget. Uh, yes, he could be one of the biggest players uh, in the world, but as we judge the players on this consistency, he has a, a, a big job to do about that. Frank, why do you always say 15 days for two weeks instead of 14? My wife does that as well. What do you mean? Well, because two weeks is 14 days, isn't it? Yeah. But he said 15 days, meaning two weeks. Oh, that's that's that, yeah because we say that in France we say 15 jours yeah. we say 15 days instead of 14 you're right I should have oh yeah I'm sorry no sorry. I'm not, it's, it's, right. it's what no, we say it's in France it's because they do it in Spain as well do they do that in, do it in Venezuela uh, I suppose so then but I don't know why this is so I'm, I'm important to you this is so judgmental <laughs> yeah. that's go back to sleep you clinging <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so two weeks two weeks time they say 15 days yes yeah yeah. Uh, Craig, who will go deeper in the tournament, PSG or Barcelona? Well, Barcelona are definitely going to qualify. Yes. PSG should. Right. Wake up. <laughs> look into my eyes. Look into my eyes. Oh, oh, you're, oh you're awake. Uh, I'm going to say if Barcelona get there act together and they will need to. I'm going to say Barca. Barcelona? 
Sure, let's go with Barcelona. Ali, after today's performance, how wrong was Luis Garcia's assessment of Dembélé? Well, You'd have quite a heated arguments with him throughout the... Uh... Well, I've been very consistent with my argument about Dembélé, is that I would not have him on my team because he's the sort of player that you're thinking about potential instead of actual numbers, actual productivity, actually winning games and scoring goals. I don't think Usmane Dembélé is a guy that helps you win games consistently because his performances are not consistent. and. And that's when he's on the field. I'm not even talking about when he's injured or whatever the case may be. Today was as, as good as an example as you can possibly have with Usmane Dembele. He hit the post, some people would say, okay, that's, that doesn't count for a goal. No. And, and in, in terms of finding a final pass, not quite there. Final product, not quite there. A whole lot of running, stepovers, and this and that. And it's the sort of guy, and Frank alluded to it in the show, is the almost sort of guy. And that is a perfect description of what Usmane Dembele is. Almost there. He almost scored. He almost found a pass. He almost dribbled a guy. For all the cutting back and forth, stepovers, and this and that and the other, there's nothing with substance behind his game. And so, therefore, I would not have him on my team, is what I've been saying all along. It's a Barca connection, isn't it? What do you mean? Luis Garcia's Barca connection. Yeah. Slightly skewed the. Uh... <laughs> like Shaka saying Newcastle going for it. Yes. Well, so that bias in this junior. I don't know yeah, what exactly. he was trying to say earlier. <laughs> Frank, why do you think PSG keep failing to show up for these big Champions League away games? For what I explained during the show, uh, they don't have the what we call la grinta, uh, and maybe Ali can explain better than me, but it's a kind of a fighting spirit. Where are you ready to fight? When you play away from home, you have to fight against 11 players, but also the atmosphere that you are, you are facing. You're not comfortable, you don't know the place, and you have to very much stick together in order to, uh, to, to win or, 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 well, I guess to be successful. And they're not there. They don't play together, they don't fight together, uh, they choose their game, and they don't have in, the, in, their, in their core, they don't have that fighting spirit that, I, that for me is very necessary in order to win games away from home. We talked about that quite a lot on the show. Be sure to check out that. Uh, meanwhile, time for Shaka to pick a name out the sky. Who's been the best goalkeeper in the Champions League so far? Cobble. <laughs> no, here we go. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I don't know. I give up. Okay. That's it? In, what, in general? <laughs> I, th I thought you were clinging. That's no, it. Uh, say Nick Pope and be done with it. All right, Nick Pope, I'm be done with it. <laughs> <laughs> Who will Ange be more upset at, Craig? Romero or Udogi? Mm. No, I think Romero. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I, yeah. Udogi is a young player. He's just come in, has done tremendously well, and that. For any young player, particularly in a big derby, is a learning curve. We're talking about a World Cup winner here, not somebody who's wet behind the ears, Romero. He knew what he was doing, right? He flicked out stupidly on Caldwell in the halfway line. Stupid, stupid. How it was missed, should have got sent off. Even if people say, oh, it's petulant, doesn't matter. You're not allowed to do it. So he was already on the edge, and then that follow through was just premeditated and ridiculous. So Romero, because he'll get the three game ban, a doggy will probably get a game, yeah. whatever it is. He'll get three games. He's already got Van de Ven out now for I don't know how long with a hamstring. So for me, 100%, I'm looking at the guy who I'm leaning on to basically marshal my whole back four. And that's a concern. That would be a concern for me. Frank, on yesterday's show, Craig said we didn't learn anything about Chelsea in that win yesterday. Shaka said we did. They're worse than we thought they are. <laughs> what do you think of that? <laughs> uh, well, I, I have to. Uh, I have to agree with the guys. You know, that, I mean, it's more the circumstances of the game which made Chelsea win that game. Uh, but it's not because they were better. Um, they might show some character, but remember that 2-1, Dyer scored a goal. He could have been on uh, and he was just offside for, for margin. So, uh, yeah, I, I need more. I need more to judge Chelsea and to see if they are better. But it's more a, fail, a failure, let's say, by accident from Spurs than anything else. So I encourage my uh, the Chelsea fan that I'm close to to, 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 be, to not brag too much about that win. Because really, 
uh, we need more than that to uh, to uh, to really judge if Chelsea is getting better. Even if it's always a pleasure to win against Spurs. There you go. Didn't Shaka get some attention on social media because of those comments about uh, Chelsea? No, uh, well, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think we should. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why not? <laughs> I don't he, got, know. he got a bit of stick. I don't know if Shaka needs that uh, to <laughs> be sort of pressure. <laughs> well, you can see. No, I woke up to it. Well, like I woke up to it this morning. It's crystal clear how it's affected him to be. See what that? It's rocked him. Well, he's, he's rocked him to the core. Yeah. <laughs> Such that he's now thinking. Excellent. Newcastle are going to top the group. <laughs> top the group, win the Champions League. Like, uh, and he, using his own words, barely clinging. Yeah, yeah, man. Carry on. <laughs> what, what the hell were you doing last night? Especially <laughs> that glazed look. <laughs> Basically, someone said Shaka DM, and I won't go into it. But the, the title of it was Sick Individual. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, Chelsea fans. <laughs> this is for you, Craig, because I know that you've got an answer to this. Uh, watch the video of Xavi Alonso at training with Bayer Leverkusen showing off his passing skills to the players during a drill. Did your manager ever actively participate in training? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which one should we talk about? Uh, well, it wasn't Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Not Jim. Wasn't, Jim. Wasn't, wasn't the bald eagle. <laughs> wasn't Vim Janssen. <laughs> Great Dutch player, but it was Glenn Hoddle, yeah? Yeah. Well, the trouble was, uh, Glenn, when he first became Chelsea manager, was Chelsea player manager. Okay. So he was, I think, I'm going to say 34, 35. So he was still training, keeping himself fit, putting himself on the side, uh, and got frustrated when other people couldn't play. Because Glenn was known as, you know, I don't know how many times Glenn played for England, 50 or 60, whatever it is, but. He was definitely one of the best technicians. Now, Stevie will say, you know, when Liverpool played against his Tottenham side, they were soft. Right. But there's no getting away he could pass the ball as well as anybody in British football. But he used to get a little frustrated. But then he used to always pick himself, <laughs> particularly for away games. <laughs> and this did not go down with one or two of the boys. No, I bet. Because obviously he's playing in place of them. Well, yeah, he's not only playing in place of them, but if he then inserts himself into a slightly more attacking midfield role... Your legs. That means others are going to have to do the donkey <laughs> work. Yeah. And, and why that include you as one of the guys doing the running? Correct. <laughs> but I never used to say as much as Dennis Wise. Right. Oh, I can't repeat what Dennis used to say. Oh, dear. Particularly when Glenn... It's worse than Shaka's DM. <laughs> particularly when Glenn picked himself for Liverpool away. Wow. In the middle of winter. Wow. Uh, but he... Uh, he was, a good, he was a good guy to play for, to be honest. But then he went through this stage as well, where he was on the bench and he was bringing himself on for a cameo every game oh. around 80 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but it just seemed that the cameo he was always coming on for was for one individual. Mr. White? Oh, yeah! Oh! <laughs> and I got very annoyed at this. Wow. Very annoyed. Oh. At one point I said to him, is that the only bleep, bleep, bleep number you've got in the bag there? Because <laughs> oh. it was my number, it was going up every week. Glenn, Glenn was coming on, you know. And I got, I got really mad about this. Wow. But it didn't go down too well. Oh. <sighs> did Kevin Keegan take part in training chat? When you... Nah. No? Uh, Keegan, Keegan never did, Harry never did. Well, Harry. Yeah. Oh, he used to stand at the side, Harry. Yeah, yeah nah, so, no, no, none of oh. my managers ever, ever joined in. Um, I remember I played with Avery John in national team who yep. was at the revs with, with Stevie and Paul and he said Paul would Paul would come in and, and do the demos Yeah, and, and he was the best player in, in That's the what stadium. they said, Stevie and Paul had like a drill where yeah. they would beat everyone yeah. each time Avery like, said like, they were doing things and the players couldn't do it <laughs> Good for morale. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about managers taking part in training, we couldn't even get Jim Smith to come out and watch training. Yeah, it's just the horses. <laughs> Never mind taking part. Jim, who was manager at Newcastle, was at Pompey with Shaka, one oh, of the great characters. Great. Uh, He'd be like that, and he's, it was an old training ground. He's in his office, he's sat at the desk, he's got the phone, he's gone, uh, 100 pound on the uh, <laughs> on number seven at. It win Canton at four, and then he, you see him looking out the window at training and be like, nah, nah. <laughs> it's alright. Then he'd come out now and again, shout at a few people, yeah. and then go back in. Yeah. It's old school. You get 
old school, you get the coaches, mm -hmm. you get your yeah. coach, you get your coaching staff, you set up. Sir what, Alex was the same, wasn't he? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, set up what you want, let them go on with it, and don't micromanage. Right. Which is not the way they do it now. They sort of obviously they, these managers they micromanage everything. Frank Rudhullet must have taken part, I imagine. Oh, forgot about him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but he was, uh, he, he was another player-manager and uh, Gianluca Vialli after him. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, many examples of players of, uh, yeah, yeah, show, going with us, um, yeah. So, like Craig said, you know. I played oh. against uh, um, Glenn Odell when he was in Monaco. I played mm -hmm. against him and Mark Hartley. I tell you, playing against Glenn Odell was kind of, you are like watching him. The guy was so elegant, so... It was so unpredictable. That was a real magician. I really appreciated playing against him, uh, and um, uh, I think it was very classy. But not Apparently. when he was substituting Craig. Not when he was yeah. substituting uh, Craig. Uh, 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 that's what sure. I was saying. Apparently, he wasn't so unpredictable. If you played against Big Mark Haley, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. uh, he must have elbowed you, Big Mark. He elbowed everybody. Hates. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was Oof. a physical guy, wasn't he? Oh, right. It was, it was amazing. I mean, I played against Ferguson, Everton, Keane and Sunderland, Dublin in Coventry. But when you played against Mark Hartley, you had the devil playing against you. When he was jumping, he was magnificent. He was taking the whole space and it was impossible to catch him. A great, great player, you know, in the, in the kind of Ali's range. Loved, loved being in a six-yard yeah. box. Oh, beautiful. Oh, lovely. That was it. Uh, that brings us to the end of today's show. Uh, well, is everyone back tomorrow? I'm not. What? what Pens no. Probably for the best. Right? Well, yeah. <laughs> Take a break, Shaq. Take a break. Uh, hey. <laughs> don't pick the phone up tonight. <laughs> don't pick the phone up. Don't pick Stevie's in tomorrow. Well, hey. Somebody has to be on standby. Oh. What, what, in case United win. If United win, then you won't do it. I'm show. out. Yes. United lose, yeah. I'm in. So, yeah. Uh, that, of course, will be one of our main focuses uh, tomorrow. Arsenal, of course, in action as well. Uh, be sure to join us. What are you going to do tomorrow, Shane? Relax. Wake up. Uh, again? I think, I think wake up. Rest. <laughs> I need some rest. I don't. You need to wake days. up. <laughs>